In this episode of Call to Marriage, I am continuing my Candid Conversation series with Robin, who talks all about PCSing overseas, living overseas, adjustment, you name it, we talk about it. So let's just jump right into it. Hi there. Welcome to Call to Marriage, a show about navigating life as a military spouse. I'm your host, Callie, a newcomer on the scene of what is the military spouse life. The military community is a tight-knit, but sometimes tight-lipped one. I hope to pull back the curtain on life as a military spouse to answer the questions that I wish someone would have answered for me, talk about my experiences I've gone through, or talk about the ones that I'm going through right now. I'm always learning new things about this crazy new life and invite you on this journey with me. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome back to Call to Marriage. I am with Robin. Robin, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Robin. Uh, I've been a military spouse for 18 years, uh, married to my husband, Jesse. Um, And we have three children. We have Lauren, who is 13, Joshua is 11, and Georgia is six. Uh, we have a dog and a cat. We've moved about 10 times. Uh, and he commissioned into the Army in August of 2001. So you've been around for a minute. Yes, for, <laughs> for a little bit, yes. That is awesome. So I brought Robin on because she has, one, a ton of experience, but also she's experienced PCSing, which, again, if you remember from so long ago of our acronyms, podcast is Permanent Change of Station. It's when you move to a new duty station. And so, Robin, if you want to talk about when did you PCS overseas, when did you move overseas, and where did you guys move to? We moved um, to Wiesbaden, Germany in July of 2017. So we were uh, set to go there for three years, and it ended up getting cut to two years, but uh, we enjoyed every minute of it. So you've been there pretty recently then. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. So what was it, when you guys found out that you were going to be going to Germany, what was like the first thing that popped into your head? Was it just like, ah, or was it excitement? What was it? I was jumping up and down screaming because (laughs) we had put Germany number one on our list for 15 years and had never gotten it. And that was the first time we put it like number 10 because we gave up and then we got it. (laughs) So we were just through the roof and I lived there as a child, so I couldn't wait to go back. Oh, that's awesome. So was it just like the nostalgia of being able to go back that you're most excited about? Or like, what was something that you were just like over the moon looking forward to? Uh, Showing my kids the childhood that I had in Europe uh, and all the traveling that they were going to get to do and all the things they would get to learn um, and just, you know, broadening everything that we know and getting out of our American bubble. So I just couldn't wait for that. That's, I totally can relate to that. Like Tyler, he got to go overseas to Germany and he was in K-Town, which is south of Frankfurt for those who don't know. And I think Wiesbaden. It's it's like an hour from K-Town. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like they're pretty close, but it was so cool to visit him there and just the traveling and everywhere you got to go and just, it's like such a different world over there, but in the best way, I think. Yes. I think one of the coolest things we learned was how it feels to be a foreigner. Yeah. Um, Because most people don't get to experience that. And when you travel, you don't quite get that full experience. But when you live somewhere and you have to settle somewhere, Mm -hmm. you truly know how it feels to be a foreigner and not to understand the culture and to make embarrassing mistakes in public and have people that are from there and live there and speak a different language be mad at you. Yeah. (laughs) 
are doing that, but it's a really cool experience and it makes you try to help other people more, I think, later. Yeah, definitely. So, so when you were going over there, I know there was a lot of excitement for it, but was there anything that you were nervous about, especially since it is kind of, it's a bigger move and you have kids now. And was there anything that you were nervous going into it? I think the thing I was the most nervous about probably was driving um, mm. because I know the rules, I knew the rules were slightly different yeah. and our, we have a, a Honda Odyssey okay. and uh, I know German and European vehicles are really small. So <laughs> our car was going to be big. And um, I was just kind of worried about that because I'm not great at parking even in America. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how it was going to go down when we got over there. Uh, but luckily, it was fine. Everyone takes their Honda Odyssey over there. Um, we just had one car the whole two years that we lived there, and it was awesome. Um, we really learned how to drive, you know, plan ahead, um, yeah. get neighbors to help us drive places. Um, my husband rode his bike to work, uh, so it was awesome. And I was, we were able to drive all over Europe in that minivan, even in Italy and oh, wow. Czech Republic, France. It, it fits everywhere, so it was good. And I think too, the nice thing about Europe, like, like you said, your husband could bike to work. I think Tyler bike to work a couple of times, but mm -hmm. even that they have like trains and they have like mm -hmm. sub, like their transportation outside of just cars is so much bigger than we have in the States. It, it was amazing. Uh, even if my husband had the car for the day, uh, the bus stop was literally a one minute walk from my house and I could hop on the V spot and bus and be anywhere in town or on a train to Frankfurt within 10 minutes. So uh, yeah, we had the whole, all of Europe at our fingertips without even a vehicle. That's so. that's just so exciting. And it's I think, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so when you yeah. were learning about, you know, you're going, you know, you're going to Wiesbaden, you know, you're going to Germany. So what mm -hmm. did you start doing to prepare yourself to do that move? Because I know an overseas move is slightly different than a stateside move. Cause like stateside, you have the option to do a ditty, like move yourself and then overseas, it's a little different. Uh, yeah, you're definitely more limited in how you have to do things. Um, so I, my main suggestion for any moves is start, get a folder together and start making lists mm -hmm. because the amount of things you have to do is enormous. Uh, and I think the challenging thing too was trying to figure out when to ship our car right. because you're going to go without it maybe two months on one end or the other uh, and a couple weeks on one end or the other. So you yeah. have to figure out where you're going to most need the vehicle right away. Um, so that was a big challenge. Um, and another big challenge was trying to figure out, um, we couldn't take a lot of things. So what things are we going to put in storage for three years and where? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that was a huge task to go through our entire house and label things storage pile for three years and non-storage pile and not knowing what kind of house we were moving into. Right. So, um, that was really challenging, but I think the most helpful thing is just remembering it's just stuff. Yeah. So you'll survive if you make a mistake. <laughs> so did you start looking for a place to live when you got over there? Or were you guys kind of looking before you got there? Um, so the way it was in V-Spot in two years ago, which uh, it's constantly changing, mm -hmm. but um, you don't get to pick your house when you get there. If you have kids, you're on post. Uh, and they had a house waiting for us, but it wasn't ready for about three weeks. So mm -hmm. we just lived in a hotel, in a German hotel for three weeks, um, which that was probably my least favorite part of the entire process um, because five people in one room yeah. is not fun. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, uh, but we made the best of it. And then our house was ready and we were in a duplex, which was pretty nice. Uh, most, most American families are in apartments. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were really grateful to have a yard and a parking 
uh, driveway and all of those kind of yeah. things. So. Did you have your pets when you moved over there or was that something you waited for? Uh, we cat? had our one cat, Bunny. Um, so she came with us on the Patriot Express. <laughs> And um, that is also a challenging thing. And so you just have to be ready for some curveballs uh, if you're yeah. gonna take an animal over to Europe. So uh, there has been, besides our story, a lot of stories where people get to the airport and there's suddenly not room. So you need to have some backup plans in place. Yeah. But uh, luckily we were able to get Bunny on the flight and um, and she she didn't last long once we got over there, but uh, you know she was with us till the end, so it was good. Yeah, yeah. and that's definitely a good point though to make about like flying with pets, because I think a lot of people just think, oh, I can get there and just they can go under the the carousel or the the baggage and and it'll mm -hmm. be fine. But a lot of times I have heard that like you kind of have to have a plan A and then a plan B and then a plan C and just be prepared for a quick on the fly decision. Yes, uh, because we did even have um, a ticket for her, like she was totally registered, had all of her vet clearance and everything. And then they said that suddenly there wasn't room once we got there. So I think a backup plan that some of our friends have used was to have um, a parent available to send the pet to the parent uh, through the airline. Yeah. And that's really all you can do. Yeah. Um, but you have to have something like that in the back of your head just in case. But uh, luckily we were able to make it work that day. Oh, yeah, so. no, that's, <laughs> that's great. So you had your kids and they're there's not quite teenagers, I think, because I think your oldest is a teenager now. But back then, I don't mm -hmm. think they were. But so what were some of the things that you did to prepare your, your kids to move overseas? I think the number one thing is to prepare their mindset with any move, um, but especially overseas. It's not like, oh, no, this is a scary thing and we're not mm -hmm. going to know anybody and all of this. You know, every time we move, we're like, guess where we're going? And we make it as exciting as possible. And we start talking about all the things that are there and the cool things about the schools and uh, just the things we're gonna do when we get there. So we we try to get their mindset super positive and now yeah. they can't wait. Every move we do, they cannot wait <laughs> to pack up their stuff and get in the car or the plane um, and to see their new house and their new room. Um, that's a big one too, what their new room is gonna look like compared, you know, what yeah. are we gonna do different with your new room? and. Um, they love that and they get so excited. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's really just like preparing them with the most positive way you can sort of hyping them up for the change almost. Yes. If it's all um, dread and fear and, oh, we're leaving our favorite place we've ever been and all of these things, then, um, you know, they're definitely not going to embrace it right. as you would want them to. So we, uh, we definitely try to have that positive mindset because then when stuff does go wrong, it's just a bump in the road and not just a horrible overall experience. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely helpful to sort of go into it with just, again, like the most positive outlook because at the end of the day, like, like you said, it things go bad, it's a bump in the road, it's not an end all be all, right? which is great. So as you were preparing and, and was this the only overseas movie you guys have done so far? And uh, it is. And um, I, we, we hope to go back. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing I would tell people that coming overseas, it's so exciting and you're just, you can't wait to get there. And then it's, it is overwhelming when you get there. And I would say be easy on yourself and give yourself a good six months to adjust and adapt because you have to learn how to drive. You have to learn how the road systems work. Mm -hmm. um, you have to learn how to go shopping. Um, so there's all these tasks that you just do and you have to learn how to do it 
so that you're fitting into what their society is doing. And it's just little things, but um, you don't realize how awkward stuff can get if you don't understand the little things. Um, So give yourself a good six months to get settled, to know your environment, to know what you can do and can't do. Uh, You need to learn that you have to reserve your spot in a restaurant because once the tables are full, they're full for the night. So you can't just show up and wait for a table. Um, Just little things like that can be very disheartening when you're hungry and you get to a restaurant (laughs) and there's nothing at any restaurant anywhere available. So um, you have to give yourself some grace because you're gonna make a lot of little mistakes for the first six months, but then it's amazing. (laughs) Once you figure it out, it's amazing. I think too, it's reminding yourself that things are also just gonna be different period. Mm -hmm. I think when I went overseas for the first time, I had to consistently remind myself that it wasn't America and that people do things differently elsewhere and that that's okay. And that's normal for them. And what's normal for for them doesn't have to be normal for you, but you just kind of have to roll with it and accept it. Like learning how to order food in a like restaurant. I have a distinct memory of a little old woman, like teaching me how to order because I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know how to, what to ask for or what the things were and just Mm -hmm. preparing for those kinds of fun and educational experiences, but, you know, just understanding things are different and being okay with different. Yes. And uh, the one thing I really liked about the Germans in particular Mm -hmm. is Germans are very blunt um, (laughs) and they, it's not rude. They just don't waste time uh, sugarcoating things. Yeah. And that's different for Americans because we feel that they're being rude, but they're actually super helpful and they will go bend over backwards to help you and they understand where Americans are confused. Yeah. So they will they will see it coming um, and they will go out of their way to help you in their own blunt way. Uh, and so if they correct you kind of in a harsh manner, they really mean well. They yeah, want you they to want do you good. To they want you to know and they want you to do well. And so take it as a like a loving uh, grandmother cor- correcting you. Yeah. Uh, and they're not angry. Um, but I actually loved that about Germans and I learned a lot from how they deal with people. Uh, and how they interact with each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what would you think would be the most helpful tip? They're called like life hacks, but what would be (laughs) like a a most helpful tip you think for someone or a family that's preparing to move overseas to PCS overseas? Uh, I think getting uh, logged into the Facebook groups, there are several Mm -hmm. overseas Europe um, army families living in Europe Facebook groups, which I can't remember the names, but there's two or three different ones. And you can get on there and ask a question and you'll have 30 answers within a minute or two. Uh, And, you know, you can look through those and um, those spouses have just gone over there. Uh, They've just been through the same experience and they have the best up to date information on how you can navigate when you get over there or how to get there. Oh, yeah. Wives on the Facebook group are like a potent force. They yes. know what is what. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They know where to go, who to contact, um, because it really is hard to get a lot of that clearly from um, Garrison, mm-hmm. uh, those little detailed kind of things that you need. Yeah. Um, it's just really hard to find answers sometimes if you go that route. So you mentioned mm-hmm. um, this thing called Garrison. Could you mm-hmm. explain maybe for listeners who don't understand what the Garrison is, what that is? So uh, it's, it's basically the the post command. Um, it's it's who's in charge of the workings of post, the ins and outs, the rules, uh, the road systems. Um, I don't know if yeah. that's a great answer. No, but, I th- yeah. Um, it's it's sort of like the the town, sort of like the governing 
uh, body of the town is the way I think of it. Yeah, your city hall, um, your garrison commander is in charge of all of those things. Uh, And so you can rely on them for a lot of things. But I found that my information came best from other army wives who have just gone through the experience. Yeah. And so I know, too, that when you go overseas, the the service member, the the soldier gets a sponsor. And so was that a good resource for your family? Did you find other resources more beneficial than the sponsor? Because I know some people have really, really great sponsors and some people have sponsors who are maybe really busy and they're doing multiple things at once. And so what was what were some resources besides the Facebook groups and, and the garrison mm-hmm. that you felt were really beneficial to your family? Um, yeah, I... Honestly, the the ones I used the most were just people that I would come in contact with from our unit. Um, Our sponsor was one of the busier ones Mm -hmm. um, and didn't really, they more helped my husband get acclimated into his job, but not really helping the family as much. Um, And we really needed help the first few weeks because we couldn't do laundry and Mm -hmm. we didn't know how to do laundry or where to, we didn't have a car. (laughs) So uh, it's really good if your sponsor can be helpful. Um, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember because it has been a couple years, uh, but I really just reached out to the, um, the spouses group local. And then, um, our, um, commander's wife was very helpful. So the other spouses in our unit, you know, I just wasn't shy and I just reached right out and, um, you have to be willing to ask for help because you're going to need things like sheets, towels, and all of that. Um, sometimes you can fit it in your suitcases. Uh, but if you don't, you might not have your, um, we didn't get our unaccompanied baggage for three days after we were in our house. So we had to have sheets, towels and things like that until that came. So you don't want to have to buy all of those things brand new. So, um, I reached out to neighbors. Um, your neighborhood will be more than willing to help you. Um, unlike any other place you've lived, if you're on the, in the American community, uh, your neighbors will be just a huge resource um, to reach out to. And they are right there and they're ready to help and give you rides, Yeah, <laughs> um, give you things for your house. I mean, we passed air mattresses around. I had a whole set of towels I just started using as a lending set. Um, there is a lending closet on post, but um, they only do pots, pans, coffee maker. Uh, they right. don't do textile kind of things. Okay. So you have to find that stuff somewhere. No, that's, that's good to know that mm-hmm. that's sort of those are necessities that you, you kind of just don't think about and then you kind of need. And you mm-hmm. too mentioned um, accompanied and unaccompanied baggage. And mm-hmm. so maybe could you just kind of talk about what does that mean? Because I know when we think about PCSing stateside, you load everything up in a truck, you have your suitcases and you go to your house and you just unpack mm-hmm. and it's there. So what's right. that unaccompanied, accompanied situation look like? So besides the storage shipment, you have two other shipments that you have to deal with. Um, The big one with most of your stuff and all your furniture is your accompanied baggage. Uh, And so that stuff, I mean, it's your your, um, primary goods shipment. So that shipment is going to go, it takes two or three months. It goes on a ship Mm -hmm. uh, in large crates um, and you're not going to have that stuff for a while. Yeah. So what you're going to do is you're going to carry a bunch of other things with you. Uh, and those items, um, you know, you're going to probably have two to three suitcases per person. So it's whatever you can fit in there that you're going to have for three months. Now you get one other special shipment, which is your unaccompanied baggage. Uh, and you can do up to a thousand pounds. Usually, uh, it probably depends on family size. Um, but uh, you cannot put furniture in there. So that's going to be sheets, towels, uh, some of your kitchenware, um, 
things that you want to have pretty quickly once you get into your house. But again, there's a weight limit on that. So you have to be really careful. Uh, it's extremely expensive if you go over. Uh, but the tricky thing is if your unaccompanied baggage doesn't get there right when you get your house, you still have, you still have um, one or two days or so uh, that you will still have to have sheets and blankets because uh, rental furniture is not where you want to be laying on without a sheet or a blanket or, um, you know, they just give you a bed with a mattress yeah. to, for loaner furniture um, for a month or two, sometimes two months. It's really just mm -hmm. to hold you over until yes. every, it's not meant to be, you know, Ethan Allen, Ashley Furniture, oh, no. or whatever. It's, it's it meant is, to hold you over. It is uh, kind of like army cot level yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, it is, you know, it is bottom of the barrel, but we are thankful that we have it when we have yes. it. <laughs> or you'd be sitting on the floor. So definitely. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of wrap everything up, I think mm -hmm. you touched on so many awesome things. And honestly, I think maybe the biggest takeaway is just, go overseas because it is just such an exciting, awesome opportunity that if you can, ha if you're lucky enough to get it, the opportunity, just go. Um, but I've been asking everyone this question. So if you could time travel back to the day you became mm -hmm. a military spouse, what would be the advice you would give yourself? And it, obviously it can be about PCSing overseas, but I sort of like the advice where it's just overarching military spouse life. What would be that advice you'd give younger, younger Robin? <laughs> I think that uh, younger Robin could benefit to know not to stress out so much about everything. <laughs> and because it is, there are stressful things and PCSing is one of the most stressful things, but it's going to get done. Make your lists, uh, you know, be calm about it. Don't stress out because I wanted everything to be so perfect for so many moves. Mm -hmm. uh, and whether I was stressed out or not, it all got done. So just take it in stride and you're going to get there. You're going to figure it out. Um, I wish that I had more of a perspective on that yeah. and not so much just trying to have everything perfect and lined up how I wanted it to be, you know, instantly when I got yeah. there. So I think uh, I'm rolling like that now. So we have a few more moves in front of us. And um, I think that they will be a lot better because of that mindset. Yeah, definitely can appreciate the more go with the flow <laughs> yes. attitude. I know I am slowly learning that that is way more it's just better to have that mindset than just stress out every single thing. Yes. But I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. I think you touched on so many awesome things to our listeners. If you have questions, reach out to me at our podcast email at ask.ctmpodcast.gmail.com. If you have questions for Robin, I can field them her way and get back to you with a response. But again, I'm just so thankful for Robin for being on the show and so thankful for our listeners. And I just am so excited to continue this candid conversation series. And with that, I will talk to everyone later. Bye-bye.